welcome to the uh, first ever Daniel Energy Partners podcast. And today we are here. I'm Sean Mitchell. I'm a managing partner at uh, Daniel Energy Partners, and we are live from the Fletcher Azul Tequila Podcast Studio. Uh, thanks to our friend Josh Lowry uh, is letting us record our first ever Daniel Energy Partners podcast. So today, I think what I really want to do is go around the room and introduce my partners uh, and friends in the industry. Um, we a lot of us have worked together a long, long time, but uh, I'm going to start with you, John, because you're the uh, managing partner and founder of Daniel Energy Partners. And why don't you just tell us, tell all of us about your background and kind of where you've been in this journey over the last 12 months, uh, starting Daniel Energy Partners, and give us a little color prior to Daniel Energy Partners. Sure. So. Uh Going back in time, out of undergrad, first job was in uh, commercial banking. I did that for four years. Had a, uh, a desire to be an investment banker, so I went back to grad school. Uh, and through ju had just finished my first semester at uh, uh, Chapel Hill getting my MBA, and I got called out of school to go, uh, got an opportunity to go join a small little well service company called Key Energy Services. So I dropped out of Chapel Hill after my first semester and uh, joined Key, spent eight years there. The first four years were uh, in the other energy capital of the world, East Brunswick, New Jersey, which is where Key was headquartered when I was there. <laughs> where uh, and then we, uh, I moved to, I, did, I came down to Midland. I did a one-year tour of duty in 2004 and then to Houston in 2005. Um, at Key, I handled the investor relations department, so I spent a lot of time with uh, the sell-side analysts that covered the stock as well as the investors that uh, owned the stock or traded the stock and realized towards the end of my time at Key that uh, analysts um, on the sell side, at least back in the good old days, uh, made pretty good money. And uh, I figured half the people never called me at Key. And I was like, well, if no one calls me, I don't know what they're doing. I may, maybe I should go do that job. So I, uh, I knew the folks at Simmons pretty well and uh, more so on the banking side and uh, reached out and uh, they were kind enough to interview me. And then, I guess it was in early 2008, April 1st, 2008, I left Key, joined Simmons, uh, proceeded to work there for 12 years, covering the oil service sector, uh, primarily anything that was in U.S. onshore, uh, businesses that Key participated in largely. Uh, enjoyed that quite a bit, um, but after 12 years and you know being 47 years old, I was ready to go try to be my own boss, and uh, it was, you know, time to go do something and so I left about a year ago and uh, started Daniel Energy Partners and uh, been running running pretty hard the last 15 months or 14 months however long it's been feels like forever uh, just trying to grow a business from scratch and starting up in a downturn so got it what ha what do you think has been the most challenging thing over the last 15 months I know you're on the road a lot I mean Bill and I are in the office and you're out driving around whether you're sliding across the ice in the Bakken or whether you're actually out uh, cooking barbecue in Midland. Yeah. Uh, you're on the road quite a bit, but tell us what has been the most challenging thing over the last 15 months? I think the, uh, the hardest part for me is, is actually asking people for money. Uh, I never had to do that in, in anywhere else I worked. And you build up relationships with people, uh, you know, strong relationships. And you know, I think they like what we do from a research perspective. I hope they do. Uh, but to go to them and try to have them pay you, particularly when their businesses are collapsing, as they were 
what, you know, I launched this thing on April 2nd, and I think within a couple weeks, oil prices went negative. So the mood to spend more money, particularly research, which is a discretionary item, wasn't really there. And so, and it's just hard to ask for money. And then when you have a research product, it's hard to price the product. Like, what's the value? Right. And, uh, and I honestly don't know if I even know what that is today, frankly. But it, that's been a, the hard part, too, is how do you establish value for a product? Let me service? tell you, folks, it's worth a lot. Well, we, li- we, we like to think so. We think it's uh, – but, uh, but – and so that was, that was hard. And the travel doesn't really bother me that much. I enjoy it. Um, I like Dairy Queen, and I like barbecue, and I don't mind driving. <laughs> and so, you know, I know where most of the good places are in Texas. And my kids are off in college now. Uh, in fact, my son will be interning for Fletch Azul, so thank you, Aaron Marquez, for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so and I think my wife's more than happy for me to travel. What's so your favorite blizzard? I get the Oreo blizzard, medium Oreo blizzard, and a Pepsi every time. And uh, that's generally my, my lunch uh, or afternoon snack is blizzards and Coke and <laughs> Pepsi. Well, that's a great overview. Yeah, um, so that's the background. Uh, sitting next to, to John Daniel is uh, a good friend of, of mine and – and John's. His name is Bob Stanton. He joined our team uh, about week two weeks ago, ago, a week ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob, obviously, John and I know you from Simmons, but give the listeners out there a little background uh, where you've been over the last, uh, you know, 30 years and kind of oh, your history and our history together at Simmons. You can obviously dive in and tell great stories about John and I, I'm sure. But uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background on what where you've been? Um, well, Sean and I have been friends since high school. Um, we both went to high school here in Houston and uh, continued our friendship at the University of Texas uh, after I had a little, we both had detours at other schools. Um, I went to New York for a couple of years and learned about the financial industry, worked for Kidder Peabody and Payne Weber, so I saw a business collapse in front of my face. Um, and then I kind of realized I need to go back to business school as well. So I ended up coming back to Houston, going to Rice Business School, the Jones School here in Houston. And um, when I graduated from there, I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And uh, I went to a little company called First Data Corporation. And um, that lasted for about six months before they were sold. And somehow I landed up at, I ended up at Simmons and Company. Uh, started out on their trading desk for about three weeks and then ended up in the institutional sales group with Mike Frazier and um, became a great 13 years um, where I worked where you came on a year later and you know John came on and uh, when did you come in 08? 08. 08. Um, and so in 2013 the uh, nice nice run it ended so I left and went to US Capitol for a little while and then I went to go work with our good friend Robert Kessler for a year or so and then I realized you know what I'd probably going to check out the financial advisory business. So I went to work for Merrill Lynch with some friends of ours um, for a couple years. And after talking to Sean, we went to Mexico together during COVID, which was nice. You're not supposed to tell people that. (laughs) Uh, And anyway, and John and I talked as he was leaving Simmons and, um, you know, everything just kind of came full circle. And it worked out great that I and I started two weeks ago, and I've been trying to catch up on the last five years. What's been going on in the energy business for the last five years? Well, I can tell you, it won't take long for Bobby to catch up. And uh, just kind of a sidebar on our friendship and the history here. Uh, I can remember in 2001 when I called Bobby 
and I was working at Scotia Capital at the time. I was doing long hours, doing investment banking here in Houston, uh, and had, had just had our second kid. And Bobby called me one day and said, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm not very good. I'm kind of miserable at work. I'm looking to make a change. He said, why don't you come talk to us over at Simmons? And I was like, wow, Simmons is all the guys that went to Harvard and Wharton, a bunch of smart guys. I probably don't I was belong there. there. <laughs> uh, uh, and anyway, he said, why don't you come talk to us? And, he, and two days later, I had lunch with Mike Frazier. Uh, two weeks later, uh, they gave me a job offer, and I started in, in August. And uh, it was by far the best uh, kind of 13 years. Uh, Bob and I had a lot of fun together, and we had a good team. Uh, and team. I think what what I would tell you, Bobby uh, can attest to this, but I think the bar is set pretty high at Simmons, even for salespeople. And so I was super excited when Bobby and I were talking uh, down in Mexico, and I kind of ran the idea by him, and he kind of sounded like he was in a similar spot to where I was back in 2001. He wasn't, didn't look like he was having a whole lot of fun in his current current role and so I think for us it was kind of it was kind of nice for me to be able to say hey why don't you come join us and we're doing something different it's really not the same job that we used to do at Simmons because we're not just selling to the buy side we're selling to companies and we're hosting some really great events so we're glad to have you it's 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 fun to be back together obviously getting some of our teammates back together is a lot of fun and then I'm going to move over next to Bill Austin Bill um, you've been uh, with John uh, you, employee you number started, two. Yeah. yeah, employee number two at Daniel Energy Partners, and you came on in June. Yeah, I guess end of May, June last year. So it's almost exactly been a year at this point. Oh, I mean, cool. you know, John started in April, and then we had been talking um, leading up to that, and he's like, you know, I'd started this thing. Oil was negative. The world was collapsing, it, or so it seemed at that point. COVID was raging, and you know, everyone's kind of at home. We're talking on the phone. And somehow John convinced me to join him. Um, I don't know. That, looking back on it, I was like, well, I don't know how that even happened. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I started off in a roundabout way also in financial services. I was an investment banker right out of college. Um, I did that in New York. And so I stayed up in New York for about 10 years. Um, junior analyst, associate, kind of doing a little bit of everything. Um, but in 2009, I came and essentially followed John at key um, took over a part of his old job because when John had left you know he left some holes at, at, at key and and key I forgot as, to do a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of took over a bunch of his old jobs and one of the first calls I made when I started there was to John saying hey um, can I, I could use some help here I don't really know what I'm doing um, and John was kind enough to help me out know who to talk to within the company and kind of outside of the company as well. Um, and that's really the, that was the first time I had met John. Um, and we had stayed in touch ever since I, I moved, you know, after that point to a bunch of different oil field service companies. So I've seen some good, some bad, and some, some ugly, um, throughout the last now about, about 11 years in the oil field service industry. Um, but I've been more focused on the M and a kind of, finance side in, in my career. So I've seen the services, the uh, the capital equipment side, you know, I, I, after I left key, I went and joined Cameron um, and, you know, saw a great uh, organization that was eventually uh, bought by Schlumberger, but, you know, just awesome people. And I really enjoyed um, immensely working there. So I've had, you know, my fair share of up and downs, but, you know, in the last year, it's been awesome. We've been able to 
you know, again, because we were such a small group, it was just two of us, really. We knew, you know, Sean and, you know, we had plans, but we really didn't know what they were going to be like. Right. And, you know, John and I would sit not not here in the in the Fletcher Azul studio, but in the conference room That's here cool. at, at, at either end, because, you know, we weren't allowed to be within six feet of each other. Right. Trying to figure out what the heck we wanted this to be i don't believe you followed them yeah <laughs> and that's been the, the interesting thing that's what's the most fun frankly is it has been a whiteboard yep right and you know you have being flexible enough to pivot when you realize there's a need to pivot and we've done that in the in this past year well let's talk about yeah. the pivot yeah. uh, because i think it's important on kind of who are we at daniel energy partners what do we stand for what are we going to do yeah uh, right. i don't think for the next five years yet, though I don't think you really introduced yourself yet, though. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. Th I was going to kick it over to you, Sean. So now that now that we've done everybody else, Sean, why don't you, you tell don't us get a little off bit that more? Easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to try to sneak sneak past that one. Um, no, uh, so Sean Mitchell uh, grew up in Houston. As Bob said, we went to high school uh, around the corner from each other. Um, we both took a detour before we ended up at Texas together. Um, we were good friends at Texas and stayed good friends after college. Um, and um, I went to uh, to Scotia Capital to do kind of energy lending, uh, corporate lending. Um, we did a lot of uh, borrowing base type deals, revolvers for EMP companies, but also some service deals. Uh, and we were we were never really the lead bank. Scotia was a great participating bank in revolving credit facilities, so kind of cut my teeth on credit deals. Uh, just kind of understanding the companies that I was looking at, their ability to repay bank debt, essentially, right? And at the time, it seemed like it was really intense modeling, but at the end of the day, really wasn't that tough. But, uh, you know, it was a good way to learn the industry. It was a good way to get into the 10Ks and the 10Qs on a regular basis and uh, learn a little bit about the banking products. Uh, and then made a transition over to uh, kind of the M&A side. We had a group out of Calgary, uh, Scotia Capital, Oh, was not so. a big, uh, you know, investment bank in the States at the time. Um, we really just had a lending group. But, you know, the guys in Calgary really, back in the day when um, Calpine and Dynagy and some of these uh, kind of power companies were really looking to actually buy natural gas assets, there was a lot of cross-border M&A going on at that mm -hmm. time. And so the guys in Calgary basically said, hey, we need – we need you guys in Houston to step up and kind of tr try to build a team of investment bankers. Well, I wasn't the lead guy. I was just one of the junior guys that was asked to be on the team. And uh, it was great experience, but it was long hours. And uh, I really learned a lot during that time period. Um, and then, like I said, I was on the phone with Bob uh, Stanton, a good friend. And he just said, hey, how you doing? I said, not great. You know, would really like to make a move or make a change here. And he said, come talk to us. And you know, the rest was history. I mean, I spent almost 20 years at Simmons. Uh, again, I would say it's it was one of the greatest firms to work for. Uh, it was private. We were small. We had a ton of fun. There was a lot of smart people mm -hmm. uh, working together. And I think that's what we're trying to build here at Daniel Energy. I mean, that's at least my vision of where I want to go with this firm is uh, we're as small a, as today. As a quick aside, one hungover Saturday morning, Sean Mitchell and I were walking through a mall, and we decided to buy a cat. We each bought a cat, a kitten. You remember that? In college. <laughs> in college. That I think Sean kept his for yeah. three days. I kept mine for a week before I put an ad in the paper. Yeah, no, I don't know why we bought those cats. For a dog person, it, it was not 
Smart. Yeah, yeah. I guess we oh. just lost our sponsorship <laughs> from Pisa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peta. Yeah. Peta's not. Well, no, we gave him to a nice family. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I mean, it, cats and all, uh, I we at Daniel Energy Partners, I think, are, are on a mission here. Uh, we start, we're, we're, we're a small firm today. We're a member of five people. I'll introduce Mary Helen, even though she's not here. She's a great asset to our team. Uh, Mary Helen Norman, uh, she's from Austin, Texas. She went to Texas as well. Bobby and I both knew her in college um, I, I actually knew her in junior high and high school as well um, but it's we're a small team today but I think our agenda as I love hearing this from John is we're gonna have fun we're gonna have a ton of fun and uh, we're supporting an industry that is uh, I think uh, not dying but there's a lot of people leaving the industry that are on our side right. of the business on the sell side and I think that's gonna create an opportunity for us and uh, I would love to hear yeah. kind of your thoughts John as the leader and founder of Daniel Energy Partners, just talk to us a little bit about your kind of research process and your how you think about the world in terms of where sure. we where where is Daniel Energy Partners in five years in your opinion? Okay, well I guess I'll start on the on just the the turmoil within our own sector as it relates to call it you know what, what we know is the sell side right. That's when I was leaving Simmons, you know I sort of saw investor interest in energy, particularly oil service, falling because there have been years of underperformance. We all know a lot of good friends and clients were blown up at the hedge fund community, lost their jobs, so assets under management were coming down, right? Yep. And so uh, investors really didn't want to hear about any small or mid-cap service names, and so like I was getting no inbound phone calls. It was l very lonely, right? I could go out in the field, write a great field recap note, and no one really cared at the time. And I was just, and so I was getting sort of I don't want to say burned out. I guess I was a little bit burned out, but ready to do something different. And I just, I didn't, um, n not that the whole sell side is having an issue, but just within our community, oil service, we were having challenges. And I think we've seen that play out. I'm not going to name names now, but there are several really good people that left the analyst role and went to the banking side. Other really good people we know that left the analyst side and went to take corporate de uh, development roles within service companies. Yeah. And so the really smart people uh, a lot of experience were leaving and so yeah. what's happened is and then you've seen other groups where the people have left and the firm just walks away completely from covering the oil service sector and then those companies that are trying to continue at it again these are friends of ours you know they've had to reduce coverage they, d they just don't have the resources you can't staff up a team with five or six people like you could in the old days and right. cover 40 50 names yeah and, and to put it in perspective I think energy now is a percent of the S&P 500 is what two percent two point it's in that vicinity. It's a little over two between two and three. And, and it was at its peak, what eight? Right, nine. No, back in the fourteen percent. Fourteen? I think, did it get up that high? I can't. Yeah, yeah, it seems yeah, so no, unbelievable it, now. It, it, it was in the. It was certainly almost in the mid uh, double digits. Right. Yeah. And so the uh, business, the business model crazy. for our side, I think, had to change, and that was, you know, sort of the one of the things that I was, I was proposing uh, back, you know, in, in late nineteen, early twenty twenty. But but what the way we're trying to change it is you know we'll, we've got a research product that you know a, a the buy side is interested in um, it's growing slowly but it's growing but the broader industry likes the approach that we're taking because um, you know like as an example during 2020 during the COVID crisis a lot of people were not traveling right so you know, you had to, you were relying on Zoom calls and earnings conference calls yep. as kind of the basis of your research. And that's important. I listened to, we all listen to those John calls. John and I went to Cabo. Yeah. But when I joined, started on April 2nd, uh, 
I, you know, I was the only employee, and I like to say I deemed myself an essential employee. <laughs> so therefore, I was willing to travel because I had to feed a family, right? And so I was like, well, if no one else is going to go out in the field, then I'm going to be the guy that goes and do that. And I think I just got back from Midland last week. That was my 17th Midland tour uh, in the last 15 months. And, I, and as I've said to other people, I did another podcast recently, great guy hosted it, but uh, three tours to the Balkan in the last 12 months, four to Oklahoma, four to East Texas. I mean, lots of trips up back and forth to Fort Worth yeah. for meetings. So we're always on the road. And, and like I said earlier, I really enjoy that. It, this is at the end of the day, this is this is a people business, right? And and so therefore, you know, I don't want to just be the guy that calls a company and says, hey, where's your pricing today? What's your rig count? That gets old. What about their SGNA? That's well, and that's I'm not, and we don't model the companies. I don't want to be one of the, you know, I don't, we don't want to do that. And so it's like, well, but so you got to change the model. It's more than I don't want to just write research on stocks, because re there's really not a big audience for people that want to read the research on the stocks, at least the ones that we know well today. Right. Again, I'm, I'm small, small subset names, but uh, you know, what can you do to sort of lift up the industry in terms of the networking events? Uh, which has really become a big deal with us, right. and we can go into that later. But I, uh, but even during the COVID crisis, maybe it's just because we're a bunch of you know dumb Texans. But people were more than willing to go out and go to receptions, and hit the ball, you know, do golf. do so golf outings. Yep. We did a lot yeah. of that, and then uh, and then we took the the risk. We said, let's just pull this event off at Minute Maid Park. And so, well, and remember, John, like la again last summer no one's doing meetings the oil field again people business right they actually are the ones who are like no I, I don't we don't need to do a zoom call we, we can stand six feet apart we can be outside whatever well, right our businesses still need to run right? right like people still need to be out in the field doing things and if you're willing to come out there and talk to us we're willing to talk to you and and in a big way right like that was part of the not an aha moment but it it the industry wanted us to be talking to them because the other guys, you know, in New York or wherever, it was harder for them to do. To they it. couldn't, and we and we saw that too. Where a lot of, I mean, a lot of companies had, you know, legit policies on right. no travel. That's fine. Sure. I'm not here to right. yeah. make fun of anybody, but we don't have any policies at our shop. For we just do what we want, <laughs> and we're going to fund. Mary Helen has strict policies, but yeah. we, and so that's why I was like, well, we're going to go out, and I took the ad, I took the approach that if the, if field people were allowed to go work and be on the rig, then I could go talk to them at the yard level again that's just my own decree one of the things that uh, people ask us well how do you how does your business model work and and like we've tried to allude this has been a whiteboard we've done some pivoting but simplistically we're a subscription model and there are certain people that just want to they just really want the research note and that's it <laughs> they don't want to be bothered uh, or they don't you know, they're just they don't really care to go to the big networking events and that's fine then we've got people who want to be at the very top and they want to be at every event they want investor access. They want you know top spots at uh, conferences, trade shows. They want they want to be treated well. We'd like to think we treat everyone well, but they get sort of special attention. And it's an annual subscription rate, and people can pay quarterly. We've got some that pay semi-annually. We've got some that pay lump sum. We really like that. But we uh, but it's a subscription model, and we've got different sort of I don't want to say formal consulting services, but say let's say you're an EMP company. What they will do is they'll reach out to us. Uh, proactively a lot of times and you know talk about the trends in the oil service market they might come on one of the tours we're doing uh, you know th they'll ask for just general industry knowledge the service companies they want to know sort of market color as well but they also want to meet more people as do the capital equipment providers so 
uh, you know, the higher level you are, uh, the more likely you're going to get, you know, invites to some of our top tier events. And, and I think the other thing that we have to point out on this is that the reason we limit it is not because we're jerks. Uh, it's because some places you can't have but so many people in a room. Right. Okay. And so, for instance, the event that we're doing for clients up in Whistling Straits, that's a pretty high end event. Uh, it's why I didn't get invited. And, and we're limited to like 16 <laughs> people because of the COVID rules in Wisconsin. Maybe yep. it's 18, I don't even know. Yeah. Telluride, 20. we're limited to I think 70 in the room. Yep. And so whereas Minute Maid Park, well, we could have as many as we wanted, frankly. And so that's why we had a couple, you know, we invited about 2,000, but we had maybe 850 that showed that day. Uh, so it just depends on each event. And, and, and some people want to just go to the big events and others want to go to the more intimate events. And we'll do, and so that's the model. How do investors, if, if they want to get on your, our distribution list, what's, what's the, the best protocol there well, yeah, in terms so if, of getting folks that maybe don't know us? Yeah, so I guess if you're, well, step back. If you're a company and you want to subscribe, you can reach out to, to Bill or myself or you guys. I don't care who yeah. takes the call. Uh, if you're an investor and you're interested, I'd say talk to you or talk to Bob about s signing up. And look, we will do what we have to do to work with people. If somebody wants to just have an a la carte menu, hey, I just want to go to Glen Eagles or I just want to go to Thrive, fine, we'll work with you. If you say you want to get access to all the notes, and we don't model companies, but we have a couple models like our rig count forecast or whatever, it just, but they can have that level of access. It's really... It's kind of flexible. And so one of the it's things we used to do at Simmons quite a bit that was super popular at one point in time was we would take investors out into the field. Are yeah. you still willing to do that? If I like them, uh, <laughs> we are. Um, if I don't, I won't. Because look, I'd also want to make sure that when you take, you know, we're not out there to try to traffic in material non-public information. That is not what we're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't want some smart ass hedge fund guy coming down and trying to ask questions about you know, what are you going to do for the quarter? Just We're, to be clear, as long as you're not a smart ass, <laughs> yeah. right. hedge well, funds no, are fine. Well, no, but look, yeah. you, you see a different level of maturity in people as they progress in the industry. That's fair. Okay, and so maybe that was inappropriate. But people who are sort of been doing it for a long time are respectful to the companies. They sure. know where they shouldn't go in terms of the Q&A. Right. And what I'm trying to do is bring someone down to learn about the business. Right. Not is Halliburton going to beat the quarter. I don't care. Well, and I think I think it actually brings up something that we when you think about who we are from the research side and how we can help institutional investors and how, you know, you and I had the three of us had a conversation with Jeff Miller and Halliburton. I mean, I'll yep. just say it like we we're not going to cover your company, but what we can do is we can talk to investors intelligently about your strategy and kind of how what what you're doing that's differentiated relative to your peers. And I think to us, knowing Jeff Miller, knowing the Halliburton team, or knowing the Baker team, or knowing the Slumbership, like knowing these people really well, I think sells well to the investment community in a sense that like these guys spend a lot of time outside of work with some of the folks in the industry, so they kind of understand who they are as people, and they mm -hmm. have a and they have a, a certain amount of trust for those people. Because I think one of the, one of the big things for me in this industry is, is like I think when people trust you and they know that you're not just calling to you know, try to pick the quarter right. or traffic and material, non-public information. I think they value that because they know that you're someone they can trust. Well, and I think you've always been that person. And look, I don't, I don't want to deal with annoying people. And so what the way I look at it is I didn't start this firm because I want to go have the biggest house in River Oaks. I started this firm to be free 
to do whatever the hell I want when I want to do it and eat as much Dairy Queen or barbecue <laughs> as I like. And so I'm happy to not take certain clients. It's okay, yeah, right? It, it is okay. I'd rather not deal yeah. with the stress. I'd rather have people that are just good folks that we want to be with, right? That's, what, that's, what, that's my vision. I don't know if you share that, but that's my vision. And that's how I'm going to try to run it. I want to finish and kind of close yeah. the loop on your research process because I've heard you talk about yourself as an investigative reporter. Right. I've heard you talk about you know trust, uh, but, but verify. verify. Right. You know I've I, I I do think of your research. I know you you downplay it, but I think your research is so unique and different from what most people on Wall Street are sure. doing, right. even in other sectors where they can go out in the field and talk to folks. And right. so well, ten years ago when he started doing that pressure pumping stuff, nobody else was doing that counting the capacity and uh, there, yeah there's a couple but i guess so i want to come back like what we would do where when you go out in the field and i always use this example but i will never call this individual out but there was a really bad ceo who used to talk about how his company had great equipment and i would like to go drive by their yards right and i could gently trespass because i could go right up to the fence i wouldn't go onto the property right but it was a see-through fence, and you could take photos. And I would love to take photos of this person's equipment because on every power end it would say broken, you know, busted engine, or there'd be missing component parts. And, and maybe that it was a liberal definition of what's good equipment and bad equipment, but it was just interesting to see. You had to see it to believe it. And then if you go through factory tours, you can talk to the people that are rebuilding equipment. Yep. Who's doing what? Who's not doing what? Or if you're doing a, a rebuild, is it a true rebuild? Or is it a shave and a haircut where yep. you fix one broken piece and then you paint it? And that's what I enjoy doing. And then, you know, it's, and we treat everything off the record. We don't name the names and these, you know, we're not trying to throw anyone under the bus. We're just trying to understand, put the mosaic picture together. And that's why we want to talk to the EMP companies. We want to talk to the capital equipment providers. We want to talk to the oil service companies. We then want to talk to the financial service providers and what's kind of really going on. And we don't, as you know, I mean, I, I have no idea what OPEC is going to do next month, next year. I do. I don't know when, <laughs> you know, auto demand is going to be fully recovered. I, that's not what we traffic in or what right. I traffic in. I'm not smart enough to do that. But I know that I can get in my truck and I know that I can drive to El Reno and I know that I can talk to the people on the ground and hear what's going on in real time. And I think there's a value to people who, who are in clients in London and Norway and, and, you know, LA in New that, York and Boston. That, yep. Yeah, those two issues that just they don't have the they don't have the time. Right. And they don't need frankly, it's not worth their time to go out for five days. No yeah. way. Yeah. They we can do that and then we can give them the twenty minute download of yeah. what we think's going on. Well and I think what, what's so valuable, John, uh, and and again I don't wanna I think you downplay the research side a little bit and I think it's fantastic because I'm the one who actually called these institutional clients for twenty years and when you realize that the model on Halliburton or the model on ConocoPhillips is not that helpful to them. They can get a model just about anywhere these days. And so someone who's actually going out in the field and talking to some, talking to people in the field, doing something differentiated is really valuable. And I think what, what you realize as a guy talking to these folks on the phone all the time is that they know that the value in talking to you being in Texas and on the ground and your analyst is out in the field, they know that no one else is doing what you're doing and no one else has kind of the color that you're going to bring to them and that's valuable. And and the so established relationships that he's made yeah. over the last. 
yeah, in 20 years. It, it, it's hard to replicate relationships. I'll concede yeah. that. I, I, there are people, I mean, there, we have really good competitors, by the way. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, we have a few I'm a bit good friends. You know this. I love Luke Lemoyne. You know, I think George O'Leary does a great job. These are good people. Yep. I mean, good analysts and good people. Um, but there's a, br and there's a large swath of analysts that don't really do the work. Right. Okay. And that's, and which is helpful to us because it makes our job easier. But what's also, what, what the thing when we pivoted our business, and, and I'll let Bill jump in here too, is what we, re we realized is that through the networking events, mm -hmm. that companies, they benefit from that. If we can host a dinner and well-serviced company can sit next to EMP company and they can help build a relationship and that helps well-service company out, then that's good. And if right next to the well-service company, we can have a capital equipment provider sitting next to him or her, then they might benefit. And so yep. that's, and, and that's, we started small yeah. and then it's grown and, uh, and it's making sure that you, ha you get decision makers at these events. Yep. Um, and that's, and, and so the networking was not really something we, I mean, we had contemplated early on. It was little things. Right. And then we saw the value in doing that. Yeah. And from a like, research perspective, it's great because I can sit there and listen to all three of these folks talk at dinner. I'm like, oh, that's a good data point. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's helpful. Well, and like, look, the, the one thing, so late last, or it was September of last year, you know, again, John and I, we had been sitting around. We wanted to do something where everyone had been sitting inside. And John said, let's get the smoker out and let's go to Midland. Yeah. Said, okay. Outside. Um, Aaron Marquez was nice enough to let us just set up in the, uh, the burger basin, in the, in the, basin, in the burger. basin burger. Yeah. And our networks, we were able to bring people together again. Hey, have some barbecue, sit around. Staying six the, feet apart, of course. The, as much as you can, you know. The EMP guys <laughs> show up. The service guys show up. The, the, the whole network shows up. And the next thing you know, again, to John's point, not naming names, you've got two guys, a service provider and an EMP, that on a lower level were having an issue right and those two guys were able to talk about the issue get it resolved and kind of come out better on on the other side for for both of them and the service provider came up to to john and i afterward and said all right i need to subscribe like i'm already a subscriber we're, we're we we love you guys but we're ready to go up to the next level right and that was kind of the light bulb where we said uh these networking things actually matter right yeah and and then and and so that and we also wanted to change it up a little bit too yeah which prompted the the minimate park conference and then it's also look we i consider these folks friends right I, I do and i like to cook as you know and so you know again i don't want to be that guy and i don't i don't want any of us to be the people that are just bugging somebody like hey tell me what your day rates are or tell me you know how many fleets you have running like that gets really old really fast yeah and so you know we we took our pit up to east texas and cooked for a client and their employees we took our pit to uh, a driller's yard out in yep. Midland and cooked for their employees and customers. We did, we've taken the pit several places. We did one up in, we, we I don't even know where one we were. Ranch. We were just, uh, <laughs> I say just north of Austin, it was about an hour and a half north of Austin. It's in the middle of nowhere, but yeah, we did that. And so we enjoy doing that. And so any clients that are listening to this podcast, if you want us to come cook for you, let us know, we'll try to do it. Um, but that that's what's fun. And so that was, and I remember when I joined Simmons, Mike Frazier, or it was, I guess it was Matt at the time, his mantra or his statement was like, we got to have fun. Yep. And, and you know, I, like I said, I'm 47, 48. I, I don't want to, I don't really ever want to work for anyone else again. Right. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and hopefully do it right and ethically and make everyone happy. But, you know, I want to have a blast. 
And so that's why we're doing the networking is, is it's just as much about having us having fun sure. as it is lifting up the, the industry. industry yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, no, that's right. you guys like this is, and everyone, and we talked about this in the note on Sunday, everybody has a different definition of fun. The three of you all are blessed. You're going to Whistling Straits next week to golf. <laughs> yeah. yes. And We're for me, to talk about that. Yeah. I'm going to Bossier City to look at uh, a pump down company get auctioned. Everybody wins. <laughs> okay. Winner. Well, look, I don't want to, I don't, the research side, I think the audience has got the, the picture here. Your yeah. boots on the ground. That's what we're trying it's to It's super important. Yep. Uh, the relationship side, I want to dig a little deeper. Yeah. We did a really good event. And I, I have to say, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this on the podcast because I don't, normally admit these things but when you and i met at minute made in november and i've been bill yep and you said we're going to host an event here that's going to be an expo and conference and if you would have put the over under at 300 people i would have taken the under and i was wrong uh you were absolutely right um we absolutely i think way over delivered on this event but talk to us a little bit more about thrive and what that vision was for yeah. you and bill before i came on board because you guys had already kind of had a vision of what thrive would look like i don't think you had named it yet right um and then we kind of all participated in the naming yep. of the event but let's talk a little bit deeper on thrive because i think it's such a great event for the industry and i think this is going to be a i think this is going to be an event we're going to be doing in 15 or 20 no, years I, yeah. I think that's right and we've signed the contract i, I think you remember it's february 22nd to the 24th I I that's right double check our dates but right. so you know when you do part of research is going out to trade shows going out to places like otc or nape or whatever it might be right and the thing that uh stood out to me is you know really anyone could go to those events and what happens when anyone can go to an event is sometimes you get people that are going there just to frankly solicit people that are exhibiting or going you know booths or whatever a uh, lot of and it sounds so offensive but i'll say it because i'm the boss um a lot of young people maybe walking around looking for jobs whatever it might be that's so offensive but i was like i want people like if someone's going to have an exhibit an event that we're doing i want decision makers to be walking by that person's booth and if someone's gonna have an exhibit there, I don't really care about koozies or pens or free candy that gets handed out, right? It's not about a gift bag. It's about getting professional executives that can conduct business and network. And I told the people that were having the booths, I said, the whole objective is for you not to stand behind the booth, mm -hmm. but to get out and walk around. The people we're inviting, they're not gonna steal your laptop, right? And so just go have fun and meet people. And so the key was, have it be the lowest cost because some of the trade shows can be pretty expensive. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. It was invite only. So we didn't charge anyone a fee to go attend, but they had to be, you know, a client or a decision maker at right. a company, um, at a great venue, you know, being stuck in, in a hotel. I mean, unless you're like in Vegas, like mm -hmm. that is unappealing to me. And so the ballpark had its own, uh, you know, it just had its own feel right. to it. I mean, right. we let people go out and take batting practice on the field. Uh, we were able to, we rented the suites. So companies, if they didn't want to go into the main conference room, they just want to hang out and have their own meetings up in the suite. They could do that. We had, but they could see we had the conference on the, you Jumbotron. could see the conference on yep. the jumbotron and on the TVs within the stadium. And so again, we were, and that's the feed that unless people lied to me, the feedback was positive. They, they liked the fact that it wasn't overcrowded. It was about quality over quantity. And again, we didn't, we didn't set out to make money on thrive we right. just didn't want to lose money and so and that's you know sort of how we're approaching things as we go forward 
And again, that's, I'm not trying to knock any business models where you, where your objective is to make your income on the conferences. That's fine. But that's just not what we were trying to do. Right. Well, I, I think the other amazing thing about Thrive to me was, I know we get this a lot when we talk to investors and to folks for the first time. Hey, we started Daniel Energy Partners ago. Oh, we're not doing all service. But we had right EMP companies yeah. on panels. We had midstream companies on panels. We had large private equity guys on panels. We hit traditional right. energy. We hit upstream, downstream, midstream. We even hit a little renewables yeah. uh, yep. in, in an interesting way. And I think, I think it speaks volumes to y- your ability or our ability as a firm to actually attract people outside the oil field services sector. Because I think most people right. think of Daniel Energy Partners out there and they go, oh, those are the guys that do the oil field tours. Right. And they think of us as just guys that are looking at the oil field service sector. And I think when we think about our events, they're gonna, they're gonna include a lot more than just our oil field service friends. That, that, that's, that's right. I mean, it, we're, one of the things that we're planning now is the, uh, the Permian Basin Barbecue Cook-Off, which will be on se- September 30th out in Midland. Um, that, as an example, we'll have 54 to 60 cooking teams uh, participating. And, we, and so that's gonna be oil service and capital equipment companies. And then of course us, um, we intend to win. The other people, the people judging are, for the most part, we'll have 54 judges. I would say probably 45 of them, because we're gonna have a few people that we hand out, but special we'll be, guests. there'll be yeah. special guests, uh, will be EMP executives. And the one thing that is, uh, and, and again, we consider the EMP folks our friends, their clients. I mean, and a lot of the EMP companies reach out to us because they wanna know what's going on to hear just an independent view on trends in the oil service sector. What are we seeing on the capital equipment side? Are we seeing any new designs? I mean, we're, there's an, I won't say who it is, but we're gonna host a tour next week. Uh, we've got a, a basket of EMP companies coming in to look and, and learn a little bit about hydrogen as a fuel source for you know, the, the oil service market. And so we're excited about that. But the, so what we, we bring a lot of different people together and, and we, our good friends at Upright Digital, great marketing firm, people should use them. You know, one of the things that they talked about and have, have said is, you know, as they looked at trade shows over the years, one of the challenges is you, you, got, you got to get the diverse crowd. You can't just have a bunch of capital equipment people at a trade show. You can't just have a bunch of oil service. You need right. the whole community. And so, and we want to take good care of the operator clients of ours. And even those that aren't, we want to invite them because if we, and I tell, I tell them this, they know how it works. They're, they're smart people too. But if you can get the EMP executives there, then you're going to get the service executives there. And if you get the service executives there, then you're going to get the capital equipment executives there. If you get all of them, then you're going to get the financial services folks, the investors, midstream. and the broader right. community. Oh, by the way, the midstream guys actually the mid- come too. Yeah, the midstream right. too. I, I, I forgot about them. <laughs> but uh, but that's and, and again, you look at some of the people that participated at, at Thrive as an example. I mean, this is the benefit of being in, in Houston and Texas. I mean, one of the CEOs I went to church with, right? Uh, you know, you know sure. a lot of people, you know, kids' right. baseball teams, sure. who you go to church with, who your kids go to school with. And, uh, and so you know these people both professionally and personally, and they want to support us. And that was the best part, too, is like yeah. you call someone up who, you know, and I, like, we had a midstream company on. I don't know shit about midstream, right? And We're going to have to put an E. Next and, <laughs> and so I was like, I don't even know what to ask you. But he, uh, and so we ended up getting Pierce Hammond from Simmons to do it because he's smarter than us. And, uh, but we, you know, Enterprise Products CEO came to sit on a panel, which was great. Yeah. You know, he was very nice, and he didn't make fun of me, and so that was good. 
Um, but that's, and we're not afraid to do that. And I, and I, I want to make that a point so, because we have some of our friends who are at other investment banks or whatever. They're invited to our events. Yeah, They really are. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's totally different. It, it, we're ch we think we're a different business model. And so we had that. We had good friends like Jim Wicklin come out and give the opening keynote. We had Marshall Adkins there. Uh, Pierce Hammond was there. Spencer Ripstein, a banker from Simmons, participated. Pickering was there. Dan right? Pickering. Yeah. Dan Pickering showed up. Showed he did up. a great Major job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're, doing a, we're doing an event in, uh, in Telluride uh, at the end of June. And we've got Jim, because he's so good, he's coming back to, do, uh, to moderate some stuff. But we've got bankers from Lazard attending. We've got attorneys from Thompson Knight. Winston Strom was a huge sponsor of Thrive. Did a great job. Eric. Johnson's got some it. new Simmons EMP bankers coming. Yeah, so we're we're really trying to open this up as best we can to everybody. That was a great overview, uh, Bill. Maybe yeah. you and Bob can talk. Uh, we'll start with Bill, um, but maybe just talk to us kind of what you see. Uh, obviously, you've been here. You were the second employee. Um, you kind of see where we've been. And you kind of have a vision of where you think we're going. And I think John gave us a great overview of what he sees. Is there anything that you would say is different or that you would add to what John said about uh, where DEP is today and where we're going over the next kind of couple of years? Well, I mean, look, we, we've kind of said it a couple of times that we, we can pivot and we can be a whiteboard all at the same time with, with the four of us sitting here. We have here. lots we can, of whiteboards in yeah. the office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John really likes whiteboards. John likes whiteboards. Yeah. Um, but look, I think that what we've also seen, the reason, one of the reasons why we're here is because the oil field service and the greater energy you know, industry is changing. There's a lot of people that were in the industry that are no longer in the industry. Um, we know that the industry needs support and needs people talking about it because it's obviously not going away. We think that there's going to be some sort of kind of cycle here in the next who knows, is it six months, a year, two years, What, where it comes, and we wanna be here for it. Um, and that's, I don't know if that really answers a question other than like, we're gonna be in the middle of all of this kind of stuff, whether it's writing more research, having more events, doing other things for people in the industry, we wanna be able to provide that because we think a lot of the traditional providers of that are gonna be gone. Yeah, I so, like it. How about you, Bob? Um, as I was listening to Bill talk, I was just kind of thinking about and reading this little thing about what do you want the podcast to accomplish. And I think the main thing is, is that we, we don't have the horsepower right now to go out and meet with all the investors that we used to meet with when we were Simmons. We used to be on the road, you know, two or three times a month, traveling all over the country, talking to the biggest investors and, you know, on the planet, frankly, um, and, you know, spreading the message of what we were saying. And, you know, due to you know, I mean, we could, I guess, still do that if that was our core business model, but I don't think that's really our core business model anymore. But we're still getting really good stuff, um, stuff that we would want our clients to know. And we want people to know because it's interesting. And John's interesting to talk to and listen to. Um, and I think the connections that we are going to make uh, and are making are worthy of magnification and people hearing about and I think that that's what this podcast can do is kind of, kind of, I don't know, I, actually Josh used the, used the term earlier, but, you know, coloring in the lines of, of what John writes in his uh, weekly notes. Um, yeah, the letters. Telling more anecdotes about, about what he's seeing and who he, who he visited with and, and um, you know, kind of the story behind the story, I guess. Well, and I think the one thing that, that gets me excited is 
We've never done a podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I think 10 years ago, if you if we would have been sitting around the table at Simmons and we, huh. and we said, hey, you know, guys, we want to do a podcast, they would have laughed us out of the room. And uh, kudos to Josh uh, Lowry and his team because I think he has definitely brought a vision to Daniel Energy that I don't think I really saw. I don't think any of us saw. Frankly, um, I didn't want to do it, um, <laughs> but they forced us into it because Josh yeah. is such a good guy. Um, but Josh has he promised is, free tequila, which yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he, and they, he, well, the bottles are empty. We love Aaron Marquez too. I mean, we, we we always give a shout out to our Fletcher Zool Tequila podcast studio supporter um with all empty bottles with yeah all empty bottles we 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 did (laughs) and we didn't drink them we're having diet coke today um but no i mean i think the vision here is unbelievable because i do think we can number one educate the industry Mm -hmm. uh as we do these podcasts and some some of this is going to be a rehash from every our, our by the way our plan is to do this every two weeks or so and I think the vision here really is to educate the industry, the investors, some of the folks that may just want to figure out what are these guys at Daniel Energy Partners really do. Um, so educate folks about the industry, what we think is really going on and talk, right. you know, and, and then the other part of the, the podcast that I think will be really interesting is I think we're going to bring on some really good guests yeah. over the yep. years because I think the industry likes to support us not only by coming to our events, but I think we have great relationships with people and I think they like talking to us and they know who we are. We're genuine folks. Um, and I think that that speaks well uh, of our team. And I think the industry executives out there and there's some folks that are not necessarily industry executives that I think we're going to have on our show that it's really going to be interesting over the next kind of couple of years. So I'm, I'm excited about the podcast. I'm excited about the events. Um, if you haven't seen, get ready because the uh, Permian Basin Barbecue website is about to get launched. Yep. And uh, that is going to be a special event. Why don't we do, hey, Sean, tell us your email all the way around so that people know how to, how to reach out. Well, mine's pretty simple. It's Sean at DanielEP.com. Right. And I'm JD at DanielEP.com. Bob at DanielEP.com. And I'm Bill at DanielEP.com. So you can also, you know, you can go to our website, which is DanielEP.com, which is very easy. We're on LinkedIn. John's on LinkedIn all the time. Well, and our research um, is, is posted on the website, but it's delayed. So right, if you're an institutional investor and you want real-time information, or and by the way, we don't publish. <laughs> That's right. the, the other thing I love yeah. about this job. We don't publish something every day just to try to be relevant. That's right. We publish once a week. And right. if we see something in the news that's important, I think we will absolutely write on it or we'll talk about it in some shape or form uh, of communication. But we are not writing something every day just to try to be relevant. We, yeah, and, and, we publish on Sunday nights for the kind of company folks, Monday mornings for the institutional investors. Right. So a lot of I think that's there's, there's a lot of firms that do morning notes, and that's great. But what you hear from a lot of companies is, man, I just got 10 morning notes. I don't need to read the same thing 10 yep. times. And so I'm, I, don't, I don't see the value in us doing that daily. And, uh, and I'm lazy. It's I don't want to do it fun. daily. It's not fun. Yep. And, uh, we want to have fun. And so, yeah. look, the reason we did Sunday night is, you know, a lot of people who are our clients or executives, I mean, you know, Sunday night and they're bored at their house. Right? They tell me this. They're like, I you know, just finished dinner with the family and I get your note. Like, God, oh, it gives me something to read. Perfect. I'm like, great. You probably shouldn't reveal the secret sauce. The secret yeah. reason why you <laughs> did that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, and, oh, for, it's gone now. and for me, you know, I, I enjoyed writing. So Sunday, sometimes you know, go to church and I come home and I spend the next five hours sitting in my house writing. 
uh, and and putting out the note, but it's uh, it's it's in it's an Outlook email right now, and yep. and the headlines go on our website, but the full note is not there. Yeah, it's yeah, like sure. a quarter some, of it. That's yeah, like true. Yeah, you guys I mean, out look, there that we, think you're going to get it for free, you don't yeah. get it. No, we and we do that. I mean, we, we our marketing team is pretty savvy. I just put the title and make sure it's catchy, and we try to do that occasionally. But uh, it's an Outlook email, and that's what we'll do. And and I should note that we will be expa- uh, ex- expanding our staff here probably within the next month or two. We intend to bring on another research person to help out. Oh. Uh, I haven't told you that yet, Bob. Uh, but we'll be doing that. Most interesting. And so, because uh, look, we, what happens is we can't be everywhere mm-hmm. all the time. And, yep. you know, I, I am not going to pretend to be an expert in every vertical within OFS. There's no way. There's mm-hmm. too many people to talk to. Yep. And so we're talking to a gentleman right now who is uh, within the sand industry, uh, very bright guy, but I would love for him to come on and be sort of the sand and OCTG compression, just several areas that I don't spend enough time on, but it's a big universe and people care about it. And it matters to the EMP clients that are subscribers and it matters to the industry. And so, and they should be every bit involved with what we're doing as all the other companies. And so, you know, that'll be coming down the pipeline. But uh, yeah, that's it. I think we're also supposed to uh, talk about the website for the Permian. It's it's not okay. live yet, but it'll be on their our events page, and then you can click on the Permian Barbecue. Right. Um, the the link will be there. I just don't know what that's the DanielEP.com. In case right. y'all didn't yeah. get that. At the barbecue, look, we'll have the 54 teams cooking, uh, but there will also be opportunities um, for equipment to be on display. Yep. Uh, I've already had one, you know, leading uh, pump OEM say i want space i want to be there that's great we love them uh we'll have uh within the the, where the venue will be rolling sevens ranch will be uh, a number of uh, booths for people that want to have equipment displays or not or just like not necessarily equipment per se but just anything that they do product or service that's available and then we'll have uh uh, we're looking to get a kick-ass band and so uh we we think you know what i want all of the people out there that subscribe to daniel energy partners send us your vote or send us a couple of names that you want us to right. try to get as a band. Don't send George Strait or <laughs> Carrie Underwood or what's your other favorite Well, one? no, but I mean, like if someone wants to write the check for a million dollars for Carrie Underwood, then we will. We'll take it. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. make that happen. Okay. We're not going to ignore it. With that, unless you guys have anything else, I think we'll wrap this session up as, they are, as our first Daniel Energy Partners podcast. We thank you. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Josh Lowry and team for uh, John. I think you're supposed for, to clap now for doing the uh, for doing the podcast for us, and uh, we're signing off. Well, Peace. yeah, and be gentle on our comments. <laughs> be gentle. Yeah.